When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So, you know, I held off for a little while today on ultimately recording this video talking about the Fed meeting, talking about precious metals prices, because I, I had a good feeling that the metals would move, you know, pretty significantly on the Fed meeting. Now, it isn't quite what you consider a, a huge Fed meeting. Um, basically, nobody expected them to to change their policy at all. But of course, you know, markets uh, watch what the Fed has to say. In fact, I was, you know, I was watching on PBS, their their live stream on YouTube, and, and uh, not too many people were watching it. But, you know, in the live chat, we were kind of having a short conversation about how the Fed has kind of always, or more recently especially, used things like speeches, uh, the Q&A session following some of their meetings, actually all of their meetings going forward, uh, their, their minutes, um, other speeches that they give throughout uh, the year to, they basically use it as a tool, right? They have interest rates, they have uh, their balance sheet, they have some other tools, but just what they say and what they write uh, what they publish, that is a tool of theirs as well to uh, move the markets. And obviously, they moved quite a bit today. Equities were up, which I think the Fed was happy to see. But you know, the dollar was down and precious metals were up uh, pretty significantly on this meeting. This has, this has been a very strong you know, five-day, seven-day period for precious metals. And so in this video today, you know, I'm going to be going over a bit of technical analysis. You guys know I'm not a huge technical guy, so we won't be getting into too much on, on things like moving averages. I'm just going to be talking about you know some key levels, uh, and of course we'll be getting into things like fundamental analysis, and, and uh, meaning I want to talk about the dollar, about the Fed, about the economy, and, and how I see that influencing uh, metals going forward. Um, now, starting off real quick with the charts, you know I'll, I'll start off with gold here. Okay, this is a long-term chart for gold here. Uh, for and the reason I start off with gold is because you know I put out a video earlier this week titled $1,300 is key for for both gold and silver and I put both gold and silver because you know until I I have a feeling until gold clears 1350 and maybe even 1400 um, we won't really see silver I think uh, the, the gold to silver ratio come down significantly until gold really breaks that. Because then, you know, from there, it's there's a lot of air. You know, there's a lot of open space between there and and gold's you know all time highs and and beyond. Um, and so until we get to that, you know, we could see gold kind of leading the way. We saw it this week once gold broke 1300, silver is able to stabilize. Um, and it wasn't so much, you know, silver breaking $16, although it did break $16 today. You know, gold was up like half a percentage point. Gold was up, sorry, silver is up like 1.5%. Finally broke $16. Actually, if we look at the chart, uh, you know, for the first time since like July of, of 2018. So that's a big deal. Um, but, but the two ones that I'm really looking at are right around the 1350, 1355, 1360 level. If we, if we could clear that, like it's clear 1300, that would be very positive. And I'll talk about, again, in this video, uh, some scenarios in which that could happen, you know, even before summer here. And then the next one, of course, would be around 1400. Um, you know, that was kind of back in 2014. You see a, a, that kind of was a peak back here in 2013. 
Um, and then, of course, you know, the high also here is important. Uh, it's very similar to, to this 1350. It's a little higher, 1365, 1370. That was uh, that post-Brexit high that we bought, saw for both silver and gold. Um, but those are some levels to kind of look for. Obviously, staying above 1300 is big as well. You know, if we see a week or two, uh, where, where it's consistently having days where it's closing below 1300, that would be a bit of a negative. But again, I don't, I don't envision that happening. You know, I said in that video earlier this week, I think the bottom is in for both silver and gold. Of course, for gold, the bottom would have been back here in 2016, but, but certainly the bottom for the last 12 months, and I think for, for quite a while going forward, was in the second half of 2018. Same case, I think, is true for, for, for silver. Um, and so really, we're looking for, for gold to move up um, now, now it might take a breather. If we're looking at like a five-day chart here, this has been a pretty major move up. I mean, it, it was a week ago. This is a five-day chart. So if we go back to to uh, you know a week ago, basically the twenty-third, you know it was around twelve eighty. We're, we're talking almost thirteen twenty now. In fact, earlier today it was over thirteen twenty. So this has been a very large move up for so for gold. Um, some might even say it's you know overbought. Uh, over the short term, obviously, um, and and so you could see it consolidate, uh, but but I think a range above thirteen hundred is going to be key before it before it finds another leg up, and then moving on to silver, you know, real quick, you know, I want to keep this these two lines on here. This is actually from a video I made uh, all the way back on the fifteenth. When will silver and gold break out of this range? Um, and of course, if you guys recall, if you guys watched that video back then, you know, I made the prediction of potentially by the end of that week. But certainly by the end of the month, and and you know at first this was a range I was talking about this this small this triangle pattern that was kind of forming. At first, you know it it totally faked me out because I said eighty percent chance of it moving up, twenty percent down, and I had a similar lines for for the gold chart as well. It broke down, but then it's had a huge rally since, and so that was a bit of a fake out, um, and and it has risen quite a bit since then. So, you know, that's kind of where silver and gold are right now. And, and again, for silver, you know, if we're going to look long term like we did for gold, you know, the, the, the key levels that I'm looking at would be to, well, I mean, a lot of it's going to be, you know, based on like more moving average. If we're talking technicals, moving averages, obviously above $18 into the $18 range would be big. And then the other big one would be the post-Brexit high, you know, around $20.50, $21, I would say, is pretty big. Um, but if it's up at that point, if it gets to $21, I have a good feeling gold's going to be well above 1400 at that point. And that's when we're going to see the gold silver ratio, I think, uh, shrink. Now it could shrink between now and then, you know, 80 to one, 75 to one. But if we're talking, uh, 70, 60, 50 to one, I, I tend to think that gold's going to lead the way to 1400. And then, you know, at that point uh, with gold at 1400, we're <laughs> the, the economy, the future of the economy, future Fed policy is going to be in a very precarious position, and so you know, I I, I think the the uh, the environment for a big rally in both metals, but especially silver, is is going to be pretty good. So that's kind of where my take on it. Now that's just price analysis. That's not everything, and of course we know these markets are are manipulated. So I want to take some time to talk about maybe one of the biggest factors in the silver and gold market, uh, especially in U.S. dollar terms, and that is the Federal Reserve. Uh, now, I said for a long time now that, that there's a lot of potential catalysts for silver and gold, whether it's a major global conflict, a financial crisis, a liquidity crisis, whatever it is, a collapse of the COMEX, all those things are possible and, in fact, potentially likely 
um, in the future. But the one thing that I always talked about as kind of being almost a sure thing type of catalyst that you need to keep an eye on was the Federal Reserve. In fact, I said by the end of 2018, they'd start to loosen their policy. Now, if you consider them changing what they say they're going to do, loosening of policy, then I was right. Technically, they didn't lower their interest rate by the end of the year. They didn't stop quantitative tightening, um, though they did. You know, they their quantitative tightening is, is kind of funny. They they their target is fifty billion a month to to reduce off their balance sheet, and it and it rarely, if ever, actually hits that target. So you could maybe call that that loosening. But either way, the, as I said in the video earlier this week, uh, markets don't move in straight lines, right? In retrospect. And, and sometimes as it's happening, we can see what's a bull market and what's a bear market. But along the way, there's going to be corrections. They don't move in straight lines. And I think the Fed policy is the same way. Along the way, you know, since their pivot point, whether that was November or December of 2018, uh, towards a more dovish policy, it hasn't always moved in that direction as a whole, but the trend has been in that direction. There's been ups and downs. There's been more hawkish comments, more dovish, but as a whole, it's been more dovish. In fact, even from this meeting today, uh, you know, what, what Jerome Powell had to say and what the Fed had to say in their actual written publications posted online were, were really interesting. Um, you know, a couple of major takeaways that I had from it was uh, Jerome Powell talking about, they are talking about, um, you know, where where is the policy right now in terms of, of uh, where he said it was back in was it November December as well as back in uh, late September beginning of October when he was talking about it's still a ways away from neutral and then it says we're, we're pretty close to neutral and that was kind of markets freaked out when he said we're a ways away from neutral saying meaning th- there's a lot more rate hikes coming this way well basically what he said is that right now he feels policy is appropriate based on you know where current data um, it's within their normal range. And he's also talking about muted inflation. So, you know, the way I interpret that Fed speak is, you know, how, what so many people have been saying for a while now, for, for a couple of weeks, is that the likelihood of hikes anytime soon, if at all, is very low, right? March off the table, even June off the table, unless we have some big rally in the stock market, big rally in the economy, I'd say it's off the table, um, maybe late 2019. But by then, you're, you're already worried about the, the economy potentially slipping into a recession. You know, you can see this in the past. I think Zero Hedge or somewhere where uh, put out an article about this not so long ago, talking about how there's always kind of a pause between when the Fed stops their tightening and when the economy ultimately, you know, moves into a recession. And there's always a pause, you know, 12 months, 18 months, six months, whatever it is. Uh, and I think we're going to see it this time around. Again, you know, the Fed can can pause their tightening whenever they stop, they decide to stop their quantitative tightening. They're done tightening. And then there's going to be a bit of a pause. There's going to be a lull. And people are going to talk about, are, are they going to continue to raise rates? Are they going to slightly cut rates? Whatever. And then recession happens, crisis happens, and... Uh, pretty predictably, the Fed is going to move to very aggressive loosening of their policy, very aggressive easing. So that was one kind of big takeaway that that I saw as, as very low likelihood of high, any hikes going forward. But if there are any, uh, we're probably going to be talking nine months out into the future, maybe December of this year, uh, if at all. You know, the other thing that they talked about was uh, their balance sheet. You know, they they. Uh, 
obviously have been filled in a lot of questions about this. And this is just fascinating to me. Again, I've been talking about this for a long time. You know, back when it began, Janet Yellen, the, the chairwoman at the time, described their quantitative tightening program as like watching paint dry, right? This is going to be something automatic. It's on autopilot. We're going to slowly ramp it up to, to you know, $50 billion a month of, of reduction of their balance sheet. And we're just going to keep it there. Like markets don't even need to pay attention to this. And at first, I think a lot of people in the markets said, yeah, okay, like that's not that big of a deal. And they continue to focus on what they usually have, and that is interest rate policy. But, you know, since then, they've realized, you know, quantitative tightening, surprise, is tightening. And so, you know, despite the Fed's efforts to, to try and do this, you know, without the markets kind of noticing, the markets are absolutely paying attention. As I said, you know, a lot of the questions in this Q&A session were about the balance sheet. And, and one of the really interesting things that, that Jerome Powell talked about, and they also talked about this in, in one of the statements they released, was that they're prepared to use the balance sheet policy when interest rates are not enough to, to basically achieve their goals. Meaning they need to pump up inflation or the stock market or the economy uh, in the future in response to some sort of a crisis or a recession. Hey, their interest rates are not going to be enough. I think right now they're between like two and a quarter and two and a half percent. You know, cut into zero, even if they cut to negative 1%, that's likely not going to be enough to juice the economy, juice the markets. And they're going to need to do QE again. What, what I interpret that as, you know, so before I was talking about it, I interpret that as no hikes, talking about appropriate policy, muted inflation, etc. What I interpret this as is when we get the next recession, when we get the next downturn, they're going to drop their interest rates and then they're going to start the printing presses. They're going to start QE and it's not going to stop. Yeah, maybe stop slightly along the way, but it's going to be similar to QE 1, 2, and 3 where they might stop and they'll start it up again. But there's not going to be an end to QE 3 like we had this time around. No, it's just going to keep going. Uh, it's going to be a, a, you know, a death spiral, if you will, for the dollar. Uh, finally, somebody asked, you know, should we interpret this as a, a pause to a tightening cycle or should we interpret this as, to, as an end uh, or, or a regime change. This is the end of the tightening, and now we're in the kind of the the, the in between time between a tightening and a easing cycle. Uh, and and Jerome Powell totally dodged the question. He basically said, "You know what? We can we can figure that out. We can talk about that when it's in hindsight." And he moved on to the question. You know, the other question that this individual asked totally dodged the question. But I think the answer to that is that no, we're not in a pause yet. Never mind what interest rates are doing. QT is still a thing. Tightening is still occurring. But once that comes to an end, that marks the end of the tightening cycle. And immediately, I think we move into easing cycle. And so so how I see this playing out as it relates to, to silver and, and gold, uh, you know, as we move through this next month or two, pay attention to what happens with the government shutdown. Pay attention to what happens with this debt ceiling talk in March. Pay attention to what happens with these Brexit votes. You know, those types of, of geopolitical fiscal events could uh, help the markets. Pay attention to what happens with Venezuela as well. And, and of course, China and their economy. Um, and, of course, a lot of the inflation that Chinese, China uh, exports around the world. Of course, that's going to play into Fed uh, policy going forward. Um, and, and look for all of those things to potentially uh, keep silver and gold where they are or push it even higher. Those are all risks to the economy. A hard Brexit, even with you know, pound weakness. I, I still see that as silver and gold bullish. Pay attention to things like the shutdown, the, the debt ceiling tax. Even if they're ultimately resolved, 
those are bullish for silver and gold. And 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 I th- I don't think that you know once those things once we're past those, silver and gold are going to plummet. But ultimately, pay attention to Fed policy. Pay attention to what they're doing going forward, and and what type of data they're dealing with. Right today, the markets are reacting favorably. Uh, but but again, markets probably reacted favorably the last couple times uh, tightening cycles have basically come to an end. Again, this one's not over. QT is still a thing. But uh, I think more and more you're going to hear a clamor from the markets for, for QT to come to an end. And that's going to be the next big one. You know, the end of the tightening cycle, that's going to spark another move up in metals once they officially take QT off the table or officially telegraph that to the markets. Um, and then the next thing is going to be easing, whether that's in the second half of 2018, or sorry, 2019, or early 2020. Um, it's it's going to have, have to happen at some point for, for a variety of reasons, whether it's suppressing interest rates to uh, and, and, and in turn also monetization of debt because there's out-of-control deficits at the national level, or it has to do with the fact that financial conditions can continue to remain tighter than the economy can handle. Relatively speaking, over the last 20 years, not very tight, but tighter than what our current economy can handle. I mean, it's we're on the path to easing. Um, we're on the path to a weaker dollar and, and higher precious metals. We're, we're going to see things move between now and then. Again, gold could drop below 1300 You know, gold, Silver could drop below $1,550. Um, but that's going to be noise, right? Um, no different than than this recent, you know, move down just, uh, uh, you know, in the last you know, week or two, the move down in silver and gold right here. That's noise, right? The trend was up. The trend continues to be up, just like the trend for the dollar, I think, continues to be down. Just a question of how long is it going to take to get there? Um, by the end of the year, uh, you know, I would say by the beginning of summer, I would see it as very encouraging if gold can top 1350, especially like 1360. Um, now, again, metals sometimes sell off during the summer, and so that's why I say that's the case. You know, if it can't top that, it could drop below 1300 for gold, silver below 1550 again, you know. But if it can top that, it can hold some strength through the summer, and then the second half of 2019 and fall time, um, we, we could be talking gold at 1400 We could talk about silver at, you know, $18, an ounce. Um, and then from there, it's just a question of how long is it going to take before that gold to silver ratio really comes down? I mean, when you do the math on this, you know, if, if you were talking gold, ultimately, you know, a year from now, two years, I'm just spitballing these numbers. I'm not making these predictions. I'm saying, let's say gold makes it to $2,000. Well, if that ratio comes down to 50 to one, you know, what's, what's a, you know, a hundred to one would be putting, um, uh, you know, silver at 20 bucks, uh, 50 to one would be what, 40 bucks an ounce. Um, you know, if gold can make it to 2,500, we're talking, you know, I'm not, I'm not great with this math all the time. Somebody can help me with that math. Uh, 50 to one on that would be uh, $50, I think. Um, and so, you know, and, and certainly the, the gold to silver ratio has gone far lower than that in the past. It's been down in the thirties, you know, as recently as, as 2011. And so, you know, Silver and gold, I think, have a very strong future, and and that is largely because the dollar is just so weak, and and so much that depends on the current system, the dollar, um, the current U.S. Uh, uh, fiscal policy, um, the petrodollar, uh, the strength of the U.S. economy, and so many other developed economies. Uh, so much is dependent on that: the stock market, the bond market, pensions. Social Security, 
uh, the, the, the welfare state, etc. So much is dependent on that. And when that comes crashing down, you're going to see, I think, a lot of money looking for a safe haven. And there's only so much of it that can go towards things like real estate or land, uh, those types of safe havens. A lot of it, I think, is going to go into something much more liquid, something that's been caught that type of safe haven bid for for thousands of years, and that is silver and gold. So um, see this as encouraging, but this is just the beginning. You know, gold is looking very good. Silver, you know, still we're only talking around $16 because that gold to silver ratio remains very high. But look for it to come down. Um, and and uh, again, I think 2019 is shaping up. All right, it'd be a great year for silver and gold. You know, if I can leave you one, you know, one parting thing. Uh, if we look at a five-year chart, okay, for gold, um, you know, you see the winter 2015 bottomed out, and then it rallied. And and this one was a little different, but you know, in the summer it actually rallied, but then it came back down again. Here it rallies in the spring, and then during the summer, fall, it kind of comes back down sideways. And of course, last winter, uh, spring, it rallied, and then it came down uh, in the summer before rallying, you know, just very recently here. Similar story for silver. Um, this time around, you know, we very well could see a scenario similar to, to something like 2016, where they hold that value through the summer. Um, but you, you got to remember, by the end of the summertime, we're going to be on the cusp of a recession. We're going to be on the cusp of the next Fed easing cycle. A lot of dollar weakness, a lot of global economic and currency weakness. Um, and then we're going to be not necessarily talking about another you know, major move down. We're going to be talking about major moves up from there. So um, silver and gold, uh, I'm not going to be alarmist here and say you're running out of time. You only got days or weeks to get in on this or something like that. No, I mean, we're, especially for silver, we've been spoiled by these low prices, right? $16 an ounce uh, a year ago, that would have been very cheap. Um, but, you know, having seen silver drop in the, the what, below $14, um, $16 might seem expensive. I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't want to sound like a pumper here. But we've seen how silver can perform in the past in the uh, context of a what I think will be a relatively will be viewed in the history as history books as a very small monetary and, and economic crisis following the Great Recession and, and Fed policy following that. You know, I think what we have coming down the pipe is it's going to be a global thing, um, but the dollars can play a huge role in it. And 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 I think the next you know leg down in fiat currencies around the world, but especially the dollar, is going to make this look like. Um, relatively small <laughs> compared to, uh, you know, it'd be like if we looked at, and I'm not at all making a comparison here, but if we looked at Bitcoin, you know, over the last, um, oh, and of course they, they don't have a good uh, chart for it. Wonder if I could find Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin US dollars, maybe this would be a good one. Um, you know, we, we had uh, back in 2000, you know, 14, 2013, you had a big move up in crypto from, you know, double digits, maybe triple digits to, you know, around a thousand. Um, and then a lot of quietness before their big move up. Um, now, I'm not at all making the comparison between silver and gold and, and Bitcoin at all. But I think the analog will hold true that you'll see a long lull 
before another big move up. The difference being that, yeah, I think silver and gold could hit a point where they could actually be overvalued. Not just overbought short term, but actually overvalued. But I don't think it's going to be like Bitcoin where you're going to see it on a straight line down because two very different assets here. I think I'm looking for silver and gold to retain their wealth over the long term, um, find a new normal in terms of value, not just in in, in um, inflation adjusted terms, uh, or sorry, not just in dollar terms because dollars can be inflated quite a bit or just fiat terms, but even inflation adjusted terms, uh, a new normal for silver and gold. So. Wow, you know that's a lot. It's been an exciting day, exciting week for precious metals. Um, don't don't uh, don't lose heart if they you know stall out for a bit. Uh, that's kind of how markets tend to work. Um, pay attention to this uh, COT report, Commitment Traders report coming out this Friday. It's a uh, it's the first one we've actually gotten in quite a while because of the government shutdown. Um, otherwise, uh, keep warm course some of my longtime viewers know i am a minnesota resident uh you know central to northern minnesota so it is chilly probably the chilliest uh it has been here since i would say um 2014 if not longer uh, i remember actually uh the uh the day i was married my wife and i got married and back in the winter 2014 uh it was very cold the day of the day after um, and then the week after, I actually had a, uh, uh, and this is just totally a digression, but uh, I had a, a orientation for a new job. I was actually working at a group home back then and had an orientation right after. So I was married on Saturday, Monday going to orientation, and the week after I was going back to school. So it was kind of a bummer, but that week of the orientation, you know, there were nights where what I would do is I would, uh, you know, park my car outside, obviously, and I would open up the hood, <laughs> I would put a space heater in there. And then I would kind of close off the hood with a um, uh, a a like an opened up um, sleeping bag to try and retain some of that heat. It worked. Car finally started on some of those those cold cold days. But this time around, wow, it is cold up here. Already reports of of uh, kind of rationing of, of I think natural gas down in central Minnesota by Minnesota Power. Uh, so that's <laughs> it's cold. Um, it is chilly up here. I think uh, the the wind chill this morning, negative fifty to negative sixty. You know, around my area, even colder in some other parts of Minnesota. Um, that the temperature was was well below negative twenty. Uh, I think tomorrow morning or tonight, it's it might even drop to negative thirty. So chilly. So if, so if you are you know up here in, in in the Midwest, Minnesota, Iowa, the Dakotas. Uh, the UP, uh, Wisconsin, stay warm. For those of you guys that are, uh, you know, complained about 40 degree weather, 50 degree weather down in you know, Florida or something like that, um, get some perspective. So again, thank you guys as always for, for watching my, my content, listen to my podcast, etc. Um, and of course, to those of you guys that are still listening, yeah, I'm still on podcast or, or, I'm still pushing podcasts. Uh, I'm on most major platforms. If you are interested, uh, check me out over there. Um, because a lot of my stuff, you know, this one's a lot of charts, but a lot of my stuff is more podcast oriented. So check me out over there if you uh, feel inclined to do so. As always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this, for listening to this, and God bless.